I turned 40 in 2020, and so naturally I've been asking myself a lot, what is my calling? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing in life? Because when you get to the point that is traditionally the middle of your life, you want to know what space you are meant to occupy. And so today I just want to talk to you a little bit about the experience of Isaac. And I want to share something that the Lord gave to me a few weeks ago to share with the church that I ministered at, that God has a special place just for you. So reaching the middle of your life is pretty crazy. And I realized that some of you who are listening, you may not be in this space or you may be approaching this space. And so I just want to encourage you to persevere because what I have found about being 40 is that it's a beautiful time in life because there's so much before you and so much behind you to reflect upon and to feel proud about, but also to use as stepping stones for like future success and the things that you're going to be endeavoring in life. And so I've been thinking a lot about that, especially in the context of ministry and in profession and in calling in general, especially around my family and my friends. And when you are in your 40s, like you get to see a lot of different things happening, right? You get to see uh, people who are younger than you uh, thriving and reaching their goals and setting out on new paths in their life. And then you get to see people who are older than you Uh, climaxing and enjoying the better part of life and retiring and stepping away from things, but also being in the, like, really the best moments of their life where they're able to see the fruit of their labor. And so being in your 40s can kind of sometimes be a gray area that is hard sometimes to kind of clearly see like, what is the path that I'm taking? Like, am I on the right path? Am I going in the right direction? And so I've been thinking a lot about that. And the other week I had the opportunity to minister at a friend's church. And it was Pentecost Sunday, so it was like really weird because whenever you're called to minister on certain Sundays where there are like themes or subjects or things that people expect you to sort of labor upon. Like you get really nervous because you want to do the right thing, but you also want to be obedient to God. And in this particular time, I was like trying to see, trying to hear from the Lord, trying to figure out 
what in Acts, the first and second chapter, he wanted me to dwell upon, but also trying to hear, you know, a word from the Lord. And the Lord was dealing with me uh, on Isaac. You might recall that Isaac is the son of Sarah and Abraham. He was born when they were well beyond their mid-90s and it was not necessarily a birth that people expected to happen. And God had made so many promises to Abraham and Isaac was the manifestation of those promises. And so ideally, I'm certain that when Isaac had come of age, people would remind him about his father and about his promise and that all the things that um, he would experience in life and how they would be somehow connected to the promise that God gave his father. But if you look at the life of Isaac, it's very interesting because to our surprise, Isaac has a very interesting life. Um, the Much of what I'll be talking about, and I'm just kind of summarizing with you all, the experience of Isaac found in the 26th chapter of Genesis. But Isaac, he had a very interesting life. Um, his wife was beautiful, which is what m- most men would want. Uh, but that brought even some challenges for him because there were points in his life where his wife's beauty brought concern to him, concern to the point where he felt like he had to lie about her being his wife out of concern um, for how folks would, you know, view and pursue her because of her beauty. And so sometimes people's thinking around like, someone having a perfect life doesn't necessarily align with like their anxieties and what's happening in their life. And so Isaac is this really great example of what it means to have what other people desire, but to still live in anxiety. And so the Bible says that he, he essentially, um, has this beautiful wife named Rebecca, and he goes to this land where he is uh, thriving, and God calls for his protection and his wealth and grows, and he is just living his best life. And then finally, the folks that are there, um, the king in particular, Abimelech, he says, hey, you know what? You are growing um, you, you've, you've, uh, uh, gained all of this wealth in life. And I think it's time for you to really leave here because you're bringing some attention to us that we don't necessarily want. And so Isaac has to pick up everything that he has and he has to move on. And I think it's a beautiful example because like I said, I think people's assertion of Isaac is that he's Abraham's son. So he's supposed to have everything. He's supposed to experience the best of the best. Yet Isaac is in a situation where he has to start over in the middle of his life. And I think that it is a reminder to us that we can't be afraid to start over. But what starting over means for Isaac is that he doesn't really have a place to call home. And sometimes in the middle of where we are at and somewhere between where we have been and where we are going, 
um, it can seem very desolate. It can seem very, um, there's a lot of uncertainty attached to, you know, where do I move in my career? Uh, where do I move in my marriage? Where do I move uh, in my ministry? There's a lot of uncertainty. And we often get in the space where we try to emulate people or we begin to compare ourselves to the success of others, right? Why are there other people who started off at the same time that I started off, but I haven't gone as far as they have gone? Uh, we start to ask ourselves those questions because we use other people's success as a measuring stick. and here Isaac is having to start all over. Like the, the success that he's experienced has actually essentially put him in a pickle, right? And Abimelech says, you got to get out of here. You got to go somewhere. And all that really Isaac has is uh, the legacy of his father Abraham, um, his wife and the riches that he acquired when he was there. But he didn't really have a place to call his own. He didn't really have somewhere where he felt like he belonged. And the Bible says that that one of the ways that he begins to pursue space or to look for space or look for the need to belong is by digging wells. And in those days, uh, where you dug a well is where you um, planted yourself, where you um, prospered, where you were able to take care and make provision for your family and those um, that you follow. The well was important um, to a person like Isaac because he had a lot of things that depended on water, whether it be family or livestock or things that he had accumulated. And so the Bible says that um, after being expelled, essentially, by Abimelech from the place that he had grown comfort and wealth, um, he's finds himself in the middle of nowhere, remembering the wells that his father dug and positioned to redig those wells to see if he could find success there, habitat there, comfort, safety there. And so he starts digging wells and he digs a well um, the first place and he does all the work. He digs the well. He does whatever it means to dig a well, right? He does all the work. And the Bible says that after he gets done digging the well, the people um, who had been accustomed to that space who were already there said, wait a minute, like you dug that well, but now that there's water coming out of that well, uh, this is not a place where you get to stay. That's actually our water and that's our well. And so essentially they watched Isaac dig the well. They watched him do the work. They watched all of his hard uh, sweat and tears go into the work. And as soon as they seen water, then they claimed the well. Um, and I think that that's, that that's an example of sometimes the experience that we have where we, we, we put all of our work ethic, our time, our spirit, our sinew into um, commitment, and we build um, in places where we are hoping to have an outcome. We're hoping to reap where we have sowed, and then as soon as there is water, somebody comes behind us and takes credit for our work, and we have to move on. And so the Bible says that 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 Isaac understands what they're saying. He, he, he doesn't necessarily complain. Plains, but he names the well Essek, which means contention. Because sometimes um, when we are in the 
pursuit of our own space, where we're in the pursuit of really finding out who we are and where we belong, we run into contention. So he goes to the second place and he builds a well and he or he digs a well. He 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 does all the work, put all puts all of his his nerve and his heart into ensuring that there that maybe this is the place where I'm supposed to be. Maybe this is the 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 thing that I'm supposed to do. Maybe this is where I'm supposed to lay my head and and and, and plant myself here. Maybe this is the place that I belong where nobody can send me home or nobody can tell me that this is not my space. He does all the work. And the Bible says that after that he digs the well, that water comes just everywhere, right? And as soon as the folks who um, in the neighboring area see the water, they come up to Isaac and they see, actually, that's our well too. This is our land and that's our well. So again, um, Isaac is in a crazy situation, right? And so he names that well Sitna, which means hatred, because sometimes we start at contention, right? We just have a bad relationship and we're trying to figure out like, what do we do to deserve this? And then he moves on to the second place. And then sometimes you realize like, gosh, these people just don't want me here. And it's really not about um, something I've done. It's really just birthed in sheer hatred. And so Isaac says, okay, fine. Like, this is not the place for me to be. And finally, he goes on to the third place. And he, it, and I think it's important for us to really reflect on, 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 on the disposition of somebody who has worked hard and dug and dug and dug and tried and tried and tried. And each time that they try, they do the work and somebody else does, gets the credit. They dig the well and somebody else gets the award. Or they dig the well and somebody else gets a promotion. You know that feeling of trying and trying and trying and it seems like you are the person that gets the bad end of the stick every time? I don't know about you, but if I were in the position of Isaac, I probably would be very reflective about whether I should continue trying and trying when every time that I have tried, I've done all the work and somebody else has gotten all the credit. It's a very difficult position to be in. Your 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 headspace is tainted because you you really lack faith and you're wondering, okay, God, now you told me um, to leave this place and to go to this place. And I tried here. And I wish you would have just told me before I started that that was not going to be a fruitful place for me. I wish you would have told me when I was there that that was not going to be the direction that you would have me to go. I wish you would have told me before I started that that was a bad use of my energy, a bad investment of my money, whatever it might be. But but Isaac doesn't complain. Um, he, he, he realizes that a part of what he's experiencing is a part of the game. And the Bible says that he just goes somewhere else and digs another well. And I think it's important for us to really um, rest on the, 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 the might and the strength that Isaac portrays in this particular text. We're talking about Genesis 26, where rather than giving up, rather than throwing in the towel, rather than determining that that there is no point to continuing to dig when everywhere that he has digged already has already resulted in disappointment. He digs again. And the Bible says that he does all the work and he digs and he digs and he digs and water comes out. There's water everywhere. Finally, water. And, and, and he, this time the Bible says that after he gets done digging, that there is nobody to strive with him. Nobody is, 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 is wrestling with what he has already resulted in. And he names the place Rehoboth and he names the place Rehoboth, which means God has made space for us. 
And, and I love that because sometimes um, we believe that when we ask God to show us where he wants us to be and what he wants us to do, we want it to just automatically appear in our face and in our conscience. We want to be like, okay, God, I ask you, and then here it is. We want for God to show us where to go. We want that to be the first step. We don't want to strive. We don't want contention. We don't want to deal with hatred. We don't want to have to deal with adversarial behaviors and attitudes. We don't want to have to deal um, with being told no. We just want what we want when we want it. And that's the way that we've been sort of conditioned to understand how God works. But then God shows us through the experience of somebody who's already walking in promise. Listen, Isaac is walking in promise. Not the, not even promise that God made to him, a, a promise that everybody, everybody knows that Isaac is going to be blessed because he's that one child that, 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 that God, he's the, the one child of Abraham, the, the father of many nations who God said that there would be so many seeds of Abraham or so many children of Abraham that, that, that they, they, they wouldn't even be able to name them. There would be so many of them. And, and this is the, the, the promise manifested. So here Isaac is carrying this promise, but everywhere that he goes to lay his head, everywhere that he goes to start dreaming about the future, everywhere that he goes to start thinking about um, building his family and building his career, there's nowhere for him to be. And then finally, God gives him a place to be. And 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 I hope this encourages somebody who who is trying to figure out where they are supposed to be. I really hope that this encourages somebody who's trying to figure out where their place in space is in life. Sometimes you're going to have to strive. Sometimes you're going to have to go from place to place. You might have to move. You might have to struggle. You might have to apply and apply. You might have to try and try. But God has a place for you. And not only does he have a place for you, but he has a place with your name on it. He has a special place for you that nobody else can occupy, that nobody else can claim. Listen, I want to encourage you, whether it's your profession or your ministry or your the, 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 the situations that you uh, are going through in life, that there is no need to be jealous of other people. There is no need to be in comparison with other people because what God has for you, it is for you. You won't have to fight for it. You won't have to compete with others. You won't have to wonder why somebody else got it and you didn't. Listen, I told a story the other week that, that, that I that I wanted to share. And, you know, I don't know if this person listens to my podcast. I have no idea. But many years ago, I got a job uh, in a, a managerial position. And uh, I was then responsible for supervising somebody who um, also had applied for the job. And it was a very, very difficult uh, situation because um, a part of the difficulty in managing her was I had to work very, very hard to convince her that there was greater and better for her because she had attached her greater and her better to a position that was no longer available to her. I was already there and I was not going to leave because she didn't like me there. And so I had to convince her in so many ways to realize that there was something greater for 
her and that she was not going to be able to see what was greater for her until she stopped until she stopped connecting herself to the thing that God was trying to promote her from right when she came to the realization that she was her own problem and she began to cast her net and to look for other opportunities where she was honored and where she would be respected and where her skill set would be used she flourished listen sometimes i even go to her um her linkedin to see how she is doing i don't say anything but i just go to her linkedin to see how she's doing and i praise god because if she she probably would be still at that job um pursuing and wrestling for that position um if, if she had not realized that that was not the position that god intended for her to have and i want to encourage you that sometimes that it might be convenient to stay in spaces and to wrestle with people for things that you believe are yours. But I want to let you know that everything that God has planned for you, everything that God intends for you, every promise that is attached to your name is yours and you don't have to labor for it. You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to compete in the natural sense for what God has already predestined to be yours. And and I think that the, the, the what's the moral of the story? What What is God trying to say through this podcast about my career or about my family, about my marital status, about my next job, about my next opportunity, about my next preaching gig? What God is trying to say is that he wants us to separate ourselves from believing that there's only one way to get what we have, and that's through competition or through um, striving or wrestling or fighting or hoping or wondering or coveting what somebody else has. God has a special thing, a special place that is just for you, and it has your name on it. Listen, I am talking to myself. I am I am saying, I am declaring that I don't have to work against any system that is already in place because what God has for me, it defies systems. What God has for you, it defies expectations. What God has for you, you don't need to work as hard as you think that you need to work because he's already predestined. And that's not to say that you shouldn't work hard, but it's to say, don't work harder than you need to work because you believe that your blessing, your gifting is attached to somebody else. It's not. What God has for you, it is for you and it is yours through faith. It is yours through faithfulness. It is yours. It is yours. It is yours. So I don't know what else to say other than to say, hold on stay strong. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your dreams. Be just like Isaac did. Every time that he would dig that well and it wasn't the place where God wanted him to be, he'd move on to the next place. Move on, but don't give up. And after a while, God will reveal himself to you and God will show you that what he has for you, he's already predestined. He's just waiting for the opportunity to give you what he has for you. God bless you. Were you blessed by this episode? Do you think it would bless someone else? It would really bless me if you share this episode with someone who you know needs assurance of God's promises. Also, I love it if you subscribe to my podcast, Season with Salt, and wrote a review. This helps us to spread the gospel even farther through podcasting. 
Thank you so much for listening. And remember what God's word says in Colossians 4 and 6. Let your word be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Have a great week.